There's a smart new website that will change the way you invest using social media. Like Folio. Here to explain a team of brothers, Andy and Landon Swan, of Like Folio. And they've always been building out great technology at the intersection of social and trading. Powered by unique social data. Analyzed by legendary traders. The Like Folio broadcast starts right now. Here we go. Here we go. Friday, like Folio, last week we messed up and had some technical difficulties, so couldn't get the show to you, but you can rest assured, it was fantastic. It was a great show. It was a great show, but the ether took it. I'm going to say it was our best ever, but you know, when the best things are out there, sometimes it's best that the people don't hear it, because then they just hold it as such a high standard. That's true, and we're not ready to hit that standard today, that's for sure, <laughs> We've, <laughs> but we had a good week. Um, the big story of the week in terms of like folio universe was a really unsexy, um, name TJX. We got earnings out of that. I believe it was either Tuesday or Wednesday. That's a stock that we've been bullish on because of like folio data for quite a while. We put out an alert to members on uh, either January 8th or January 9th when the stock was at 73 or 74 bucks bullish alert. We saw purchase intent mentions through the roof over the last uh, quarter and growing and consumer happiness growing. And we thought, hey, this is a nice long-term play. And this week they reported great earnings, great sales. Um, also a stock buyback, I believe, which helped. And the stock moved up 10% overnight from 77 to 83. What's it at now? Yeah, 10% overnight on earnings. Basically, um, it's at 83 and change right now. 83 and so change. So roughly 15% since the uh, like fully alert went out, which, you know, the stock might not be sexy, but those gains are sexy. That's true. And I've never been in a TJ Maxx in my life, but a, a lot more people are going in now than yeah. they were uh, a year ago. So that's awesome. Well, they own home goods too and a few other things. Oh, they do? Yeah. And I've definitely been in home goods multiple times. Yeah. Um, they're doing well. Yeah, that's great. And the stock's doing well. I think most people are probably still holding it because the story is good. The market is down and TJX is still rocking. So I think that's a good sign for a stock when it can handle, you know, a market downturn like we've had and hold up in that 83 range. I think our target on it's 90 or 95 bucks. So, you know, let's see how it plays out. Still plenty of upside. Yeah. I love, I, Nick and I were talking before the show began, and I just love when kind of those slow-moving stocks work out based on like like folio data. Uh, it's it's a beautiful thing. Um, we've also got plenty to talk about this week because the market's been pretty wild. I mean, I'm still kind of just loving this TJX thing. I don't mean to harp on it, but yeah, no, we have we have seen some nice activity in the overall marketplace, a significant recovery. You know, after that multi-day craziness that we saw when the volatility started entering back into the overall marketplace. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we've seen a little bit of volatility creep back in, but all in all, it's nothing like we saw before. I'd like to start seeing consistency and action like that, you know? That'd be awesome. Oh, that would be awesome. I've just been bored for so long. I know. Well, I wasn't bored this week because on Tuesday morning, I tweeted about this, so but you got to hear the story. So Tuesday morning... I went into Thinkorswim and I bought six out of the money put options on 
spy on spy i think spy was at 277 at the time something like that and i bought the 276s um for a little under three bucks and i bought six of them and then it went out you know the spy went up a little bit and then i logged out and i checked back in at noon and my account balance was far higher than i thought it should be (laughs) Uh, SPY during that time period had fallen a considerable amount. I don't know if it got down to like 275 or something. It fell like a couple points really quickly right before noon. And I logged in at noon at lunch and I had bought 60 yeah. of those puts instead of I six. I you were getting ready to say that. Yeah. So, um, 60 instead of six? 60 instead of six. Oh, man. Yeah. So That's I had a bought a major fat finger right there. Right. I bought eight over a little over $18,000 worth of those puts. Oh, man. Right. And they, they went up. I made, I can't remember. It was either six or eight thousand dollars on the trade. <laughs> I logged in. Wow. I was like, Oh my gosh. So I made six or eight. I think it was eight thousand dollars and I closed the position out completely. Closed out completely. That happened to be like the bottom for the next couple hours. So I was like feeling super lucky. But then now I look at it and spies at 267, mm-hmm. 10 points lower. I'm like, that's 60 grand. That would if, yeah. <laughs> That's 60 There's always grand. that would if. So you're never happy. Even but, when you get lucky. Exactly. Make but, 10 times as much money on a trade as you should have. <laughs> you can still look back with a what if. That's what you have to focus on, man. I know. 10x what you should have. But you probably would have still been holding if you would have done the initial six contracts versus 60. Yeah. And well, I wouldn't have held this far. But yeah, it wouldn't have been nearly as exciting. No. As three hours later, seeing eight grand more in your account. Gosh, I mean, That's talk a nice about three hours right there. Talk about stupid. Yeah, I mean, we've got the VIX at uh, just above twenty, mm-hmm. so we've seen you know this, uh, you know, quite a bit of selling pressure. But as far as for me, just the opportunity hasn't really been banging at the door. Just because I mean, VIX twenty one isn't isn't terrible or anything, but yeah, I'm trying. I'm wanting wanting it to get back in those like high thirties, low yeah, forties. That's saw, when that's when it's really fun. I think we saw twenty five this morning on the VIX. So. You're way more expert than me on volatility and just actually trading in general. But here's what I've been doing, and it's been working, so don't tell me why it's wrong. I mean, you can tell me why it's wrong, but I'm not going to pay attention. (laughs) So all I've done, and the reason I bought those puts, and I was only buying six of them, it wasn't a big deal, but the reason I bought those puts was because I think the VIX had gotten down to like 14 or 15, something like that. Maybe it was 16. 15. I was like, okay, from we were in the 30s before it's at one point just a few weeks ago. Now we're back down to 15. I was like, I'm going to buy some puts because that seems like a low VIX. And then today, uh, I was like, okay, we, we got to buy some calls on SPY because the VIX got up to 25 on an opening gap down. I was like, I'm going to buy some calls. So it's just like I'm buying calls when the VIX is high and I'm buying puts when the VIX is low and just letting it ride and just playing it directionally on the overall market. And so far it's working. It's like, it's almost like the market is just reacting to the volatility ranges that it's in. Mm -hmm. And it's like it gets extended one way or another and you can almost see it by the VIX. And I don't know, you know, I don't know if that can really last. I'm sure I'll get blasted at some point, but so far so good. Yeah, I mean, my only typical critique would be um, buying puts, you know, is great when, when you see the VIX dipping and you want to take advantage of the VIX potentially popping and the market dropping. 
Uh, because, you know, if the VIX does pop, market does drop, then you get benefit from the downside directional move and benefit from the VIX going up, yeah. the volatility premium. Yeah. Uh, whereas if you buy calls when the VIX is up, and what expecting the VIX to go down, you know, that's going to hurt you on the premium side. Yeah. But if you're directionally correct. But, so normally I would say maybe you should sell puts or something like that when you're bullish rather than buying calls. Mm-hmm. But in this case, we've seen so much sporadic action in the VIX recently I don't think I'd really want to be short premium at these levels, even if you think it's high short term. Right. So you might as well just go ahead and buy the premium. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's kind of, I, you know, I hadn't thought it through that much, but my my thinking was, all right, the VIX has gotten up to 25 this morning. We want to gap down like on this news driven stuff with supposed trade wars or something that Trump is starting and Federal Reserve and all that stuff. And Oh, about like equal equalization and taxing. Yeah, and imports. All, yeah, all that stuff. And I was just like, okay, VIX at twenty five. I think that this kind of headline cycle is wearing out. So I was, I, I was kind of feeling good about directionally bullish, but at the same time, I was like, if I'm wrong, and I sell puts or sell put spread. And I'm wrong. I could just see this being one of those Fridays where you get just another drop. The VIX goes to 30 or 40. So I kind of wanted my, my exposure to be limited, mm-hmm. you know, and just kind of limited to the price of the calls that I was going to buy. What's really crazy though is, I mean, these on SPY, it's amazing. There's like options that expire every other day. Oh yeah. Like there's the Wednesdays, there's Fridays, there's end of month. There's like five, there's, there was five expirations within seven days when I looked the other day because there was an end of month, there's a Friday, there's a next Monday, a Wednesday and a Friday. It's just like you can always, you can always find some action in that sucker. Yeah. You got weeklies, man. They're a beautiful thing and, uh, and they're liquid. They're very liquid. With spy. So a lot of these that offer weeklies, you'll see liquidity issues, but with spy across the board, everything's liquid. So you can you have a field day. Yeah, you can play with them a little bit. Which, Absolutely. You know, if you're if you're kind of wanting a trading fix, um, you know, now that we're kind of on the tail end of earnings season, I've just been enjoying playing the market up and down with puts and calls on on. Uh, I normally don't do the weeklies. I normally do the just the front month out, but that's only because I'm going to be in for a couple of days. Sure. Um. So I mean. I mean we're whips on. Yeah, we are whips on. And when we started to see that recovery after that really significant drop, um, I don't know. Did we say it on the podcast or was that – that might have been a text between me, you, and Harrison. I said it feels like the market's retracing and then we're going we're gonna to sell off again. Yeah. So I actually thought that like a week and a half, two weeks ago. It took a little longer than I thought. Yeah. But it looks like we're, we're starting to see that sell off again. But I think we're going to potentially make new lows in this area, at which point – I'll be looking for a VIX in the mid thirties to mid forty range. Mm-hmm. That's when I'll attack again on selling premium. Oh, that would be beautiful. Yeah, you got up into the forties on the VIX. Yeah, that would be beautiful. Um, I think it's coming, man. You do? Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe I'll take another look at those puts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we had that blow off top. Yeah. You know, with volume, and then we had just crazy sell off, which was just kind of like introducing us to, hey, we're about to enter. Some volatility here and potentially a direct, you know, a, a directional shift from bullish to bearish. Yeah. And then we got the retrace. It took a little longer than I thought for it to start dipping again, but here's the start of the secondary dip and it might slow down a little bit here and then churn for a bit. And then 
we'll see the the big dip, or it might just start off next week. But I, but I think uh, either way, we're gonna get that strong sell off and the strong pop of the VIX, and I'll be ready. I will be ready too. I'm ready for that. It reminds me of um, when I very first started trading. I was probably trading for three years at this point, but in the spring of 2000, about this time of year when you'd had a major, major run for a long time to crazy highs and just all-time high every day for a long time. And then some things started happening with, I think it was Microsoft getting um, some type of regulatory or lawsuit against them for unfair practices or something, and it just rocked the market enough. And you started to see these, you know, these volatile moves. um, And it, People like when you look back at a chart like that, it looks like it just fell off of a cliff. Mm-hmm. But when you were living it, it's totally different. It's totally different. It 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 doesn't reverse in one day, right? And it feels like we're kind of in those one of those potential toppy reversal pat. It's not a pattern. It's just the feel yeah. where it just starts to get volatile at the your top. Intuition, just like you're following your trader intuition with those short term. Uh, buying puts and buying calls based on VIX levels. Yeah. This is just your trader intuition telling you a little bit more about the overall landscape. Yeah. So um, I think both of us agree, which is always dangerous. We both agree that there's a reason to have a bearish bias right now in the market. And uh, especially on any pops or any uh, light volume run-ups in the market. Light volume run-up is would be major you know light volume run-ups to short into to short into and so what i've you know what we have as a team have been looking for at like folio is opportunities where you can find stocks that are clearly extended to near all-time highs but where the like folio data is showing a fairly new weakness in the consumer behavior one of those is dominoes so yeah, let's take our trader intuition out of here and let's like look at some real numbers and yeah. some real data. Well, let's combine the two, right? We sure. want to have a little bit of uh, the trader intuition says, look, the risk is definitely to the downside. Agree. So let's find where the data points to individual equities that could be in trouble mm-hmm. if that occurs. So, but haven't, but have yet to have buckled. But have yet to have buckled. And Domino's is one of those for us. We've got purchase intent mentions. Uh, over the last two quarters declining in the like folio data, that does not mean that less people are eating at Domino's than before. It doesn't necessarily match up one for one like that. But what it shows us is that there's at least a slowing of the growth, right? And what Domino's was experiencing. And when you've got a stock that has made a run like Domino's, a slowing of the growth is an enormous deal for investors and it can cause a major sell-off. We've also seen consumer happiness falling from uh, 65%, something like that a year ago, down to now 56%. And hmm. in that, in that restaurant, you know, that kind of uh, delivery pizza, fast casual, whatever you want to call it in that industry, that kind of move is a big deal. 65 to 56. There's kind of a Mendoza line at 60 in terms of what you would expect it to be at. And so we see weakness in dominoes, right? We see weakness in the data and, What's really cool about that is Domino's put out their earnings last week. The stock was at 220, 225. I think it was at 225. They put out earnings. We'd already put out a bearish note and the earnings came in and lo and behold, their, their 
sales had weakened, uh, had definitely softened, and there was concern about their sales. The stock reacted. I think it opened at like 213, 209. It got a nice down move, but then it came all the way back up on the conference call because these rumors started that uh, Burger King was interested in purchasing Domino's. Yeah, the low that day was 208.22. Yeah. So everything had worked. Our data had worked. And then you get this rumor, acquisition rumor, and the stock has been buoyed ever since at 220, something like that, maybe even up to 230. Well, to me, that's a fantastic setup. Absolutely. Like, I don't get scared of acquisition rumors because it just doesn't make any sense to me that I would know if Burger King was going to buy Domino's, right? That I would even have that information. Excuse me. Sure. Now that you know the acquisition rumor has priced in that buyout a bit, you know, so yeah, you kind of eliminate buyout risk a little bit, which is always a you know it's it's always kind of a little bit of a risk in any position, not any, but in, in some of these positions, especially something like Domino's Pizza. But it's priced into the stock a little bit now, and that helps eliminate some of that buyout risk. Yeah, and you know what? If I get beat because somebody buys the company out, I get beat on a trade like. That's just that's a good kind of loss, right? That's something you cannot see coming. Sure, there's a rumor about it, but there's rumors about these all the time that fail, and so you you don't get scared. In fact, I see it as an opportunity. Like, okay, now if Domino's comes out or Burger King or anybody and comes out and says, "Look, there's really no talks here, or it's not happening," and sells right back to the low of that day, and then some, and you've got weakening sales and you got a growth story that is ending or over then wow you know dominoes at 225 could be dominoes at 155 in a matter of a month sure so to me this is a great setup for dominoes bearish um i'm positioned into some june puts because that's also when the ceo is going to resign okay uh so i kind of like it all adding up to uncertainty about the ceo uh, softening same store sales, softening sales, softening ha- consumer happiness in our data, stock near all time highs based on an acquisition rumor. Like to me, that's a, that's a good little setup. This is definitely uh, intriguing me. I do not have a position in DPZ and I'm over here actually looking at the chart as we speak, admiring this 10 year uptrend. Mm. I mean, pat yourself on the back. If you've been holding dominoes, even a year, pat yourself on the back, you know I mean? But we're talking about from $5 to $220 over the past 10 years in a beautiful, perfect uptrend. Yeah. I mean, like... Parabolic. Just perfect uptrend. Yeah. If you try to deny technical analysis fully and you look at a chart like this, there's no denying at least some validity yeah. to technical analysis. Because if you've just been playing this uptrend support channel and saying, I'm not going to sell till it breaks this uptrend support channel, then you've been holding this whole time. You've come from 5 to 225 Yeah, but but an interesting observation is... Just before earnings, we had a very well-defined head and shoulders pattern that was uh, that you know kind of broke the neckline and started putting significant pressure on this uptrend support line. Popped below it just a touch, kind of recovered a little bit into that earnings report. Then was trying to break below that um, mm-hmm. again after you know before the acquisition rumors came out. Yep. And now we're seeing it popped into new all-time highs right here. So a failed head and shoulders and a failed uptrend support break is kind of an interesting note to add to the whole the whole summarization that you just said. Yeah. Um, because I've seen a lot of times where these failed head and shoulders patterns will 
fail because of a binary event like news in this case. Yep. Um, and then turn around and over the next month or two come to fruition and then some. So this in this particular move measures all the way to 140. So we're at 220 currently, a little over 220. Yeah. We're talking about almost a 40% move from here to the downside. That could be pretty significant. It, it, it could be. I don't want to say Domino's is going to be at 140, but look, I think it's just as likely it hits 140 as it hits 260. Sure. Right? So the, the I like those odds. Yeah. and I'm going to risk 40 bucks to maybe make 80. And I'm, our implied volatility levels aren't like through the roof crazy as compared to where it's been this year. I mean, we've seen highs at around 50%. Lows at around twenty percent, and it's currently thirty three percent. So I'm not opposed mm-hmm. to buying those long term puts. Like normally, I'm a, I'm opposed to yeah, you know, just outright buying puts and calls. Um, in this case, we have low to mid range implied volatility levels, and we have a long term thesis here. And the best part is that significance of that potential move. I mean, if we're talking thirty five forty percent right over the next four to five four to six months, yeah. something like that. What did you say, July? June is oh, June, what I okay, did, okay. but yeah. Yeah, so I, yeah. If, if you're buying, that's f- roughly four months, right? Yeah. So we, if you if you buy four months out and you hold this, this could be a significant gain, man. Yeah. I might have to go ahead and join you on the put train on this one. It's pretty fun. Or do like a little, like a balance of like buy some puts and then do one of my funky trades. Yeah, you can do one of your funky trades. I think <laughs> um, the, the fun part about it though, or the not fun part about it is actually trying to enter that put position. They're not very liquid. You got to work your order. In fact, I suggest just watching the bid ask spread on on several puts out there and when they tighten up, they will fill between. You can tell when there's interest. Uh but Yeah, I'm looking at the uh options chain right now. You're right. There's just not a whole lot of volume. And uh I mean there's there's a good amount of open interest, but actual volume is low. just isn't there. We have bid ask spreads that are around 50 cents. Um, from a percentage of the price of the stock, that's not terrible, but you're you're definitely going to see some serious slippage, just from a price perspective. Yeah, so you know it's a it's a flyer. Um, it's be- and it's always weird betting against. So the size com- accordingly with with, with that yeah. information in mind, you know. And take your time getting. You know, don't go hit in the ask. It's not that big a deal. Yeah. It's not going to happen tomorrow. Make it come to you every time. Right. Um. And I hate you know I hate betting against a company that I like. I like Domino's. Sure. So this, so is the street. Obviously, only, look at that uptrend. There's only so much I'm going to do of that, but I do have a position on some June. I like Domino's. I just think it's going to fall forty percent in the next four months. <laughs> <laughs> Love the pizza. I hate the stock. <laughs> you know, just the classic CNBC guy. Oh yeah, Jim. I mean, I love the pizza, but you can't love the stock here. <laughs> anyway, the stock tastes like an anchovy peanut butter pizza. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. Uh, all right, we are good. I think let's wrap it up. Um, Go. Hit us um, at like folio on Twitter. Landon is out in California at the TDA Market Drive event, which is free on Saturday morning. So if you're in that area, sign up. Just go TDA Market Drive. Just Google that. You can sign up for the show. It's completely free if you're a TD Ameritrade client. Landon will be speaking at like 1 o'clock on Saturday. And telling all about, he's got like five or six other picks other than Domino's. So get out there, shake his hand if you're out in the area. Otherwise, you can catch us on the computer hotline, at Likefolio on Twitter. 
I'm Andy at likefolio.com. Hit us up with feedback. Appreciate you listening.